Hi, I'm Kelly Harlock. And I'm Sasha Kelly. And you're listening to an incredibly Christmassy episode of That Classical Podcast. Absolutely. I'm wearing my tinsel. I've got my Santa hat on, Kelly. <laughs> you're wearing tinsel. <laughs> I'm wearing tinsel like a Christmas tree. Wow. Love it. This year has not been great is an understatement, but I yeah, think I okay. can say that for most of us. It's not been the best year on record. It's not been solid. But no. do you know what one thing is that it is solid as a rock, my friend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the TCP Christmas special. Come are, through. Yeah, we us. are bringing it back. <laughs> that is what 2020 is going to finish with. It's going to finish with a bang. A bang from a Christmas cracker. Um, <laughs> and speaking of Christmas crackers, shall I shall I crack on, Sasha, with I the think, first? I think you should crack <laughs> right into it. Xmas extravaganza. Okay, right. The first Christmassy piece that I want to get up in your grills is less of a carol, I would say, more of a hymn. Mm. It's from Germany, which means I'm so sorry, but Ooh. my terrible German accent is I'm going to have to whip it out um, another time. And I'm just apologise in advance. But this piece is one of my all time favourites. One of the tunes I hum to myself pretty much constantly, actually, at this Ooh. time of year. It's called Es ist ein Rose entsprungen. Literally, a rose Ooh. has sprung forth. It's sprung up. Um, but it's often translated into English as lo, how a rose air blooming, which is great because I actually don't think people use the word low enough, <laughs> in my opinion. No, do you know, I can count on one hand the number of times I've said low in do real you know, life. But I love like hark thither betwixt like all these words let's bring them back i really hear thee hear thee yeah exactly exactly. like town crier talk i feel like there's definitely a time to bring it back and it's 2020 um um can i just ask a question i mean i'm sure you're gonna answer this kelly but i'm gonna jump right in there Mm -hmm. um i know i come from a slightly different season where my christmas is but yeah isn't it supposed to be snowing in Germany? How is it supposed to be a rose? I'll t- I'm or is gonna, that the whole point? Babe, you just sit tight. I'm going to tell you everything you need to <laughs> okay, know sorry. about this rose in bloom. This rose that's springing mm-hmm. forth. Because, like, well, first of all, time for some history, history lesson. The text of the hymn dates all the way back um, to the 15th century. Obviously, obviously, uh, by an anonymous author. We don't know who he is because as we've discussed previously on this podcast, nobody thought to write down anything that went on back then (laughs) in the 15th century. And if they did write it down, it was on the back of a potato that went into a stew. So there we are. So we don't know who wrote the words, but we do know that the hymn first appeared in print in the late 16th century uh, in the Speyer hymn book and was transformed into the tune we know today by a chap called Michael Pretorius who came along, added loads of lovely harmonies, um, and that was in 1609. So that is the history. Write it down on a potato of some description so we don't forget it now. So back to your question, <laughs> Sorry, Sasha. That's so funny. <laughs> back uh, to your question. Potato scripts. Like, Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like, I love just, it. There's nothing that is recorded from then and everything mm. is anonymous. We don't even know when people were born that were super important. Like nobody cared. Um, but anyway, look, roses, why are they Christmassy? Well, I'll tell you, Mm. the rose springing up in the piece, it's not actually, as you might think, it's not talking about like Jesus or anything as the rose springing forth. The rose is Mary. She has sprung forth to give birth to baby Jesus, who is represented as das Blumlein, like a little flower. So she's the rose. Oh, that's really sweet. And baby JC, he's the little flower. Very cute. 
So the hymn actually references the Old Testament prophecies of Isaiah. So Isaiah was this kind of prophet back in the day, and he was like, Christ, Mm -hmm. the Messiah, he's on the way. Gird your loins, people. Uh, And the peace also refers to the tree of Jesse, which is like a traditional symbol of the lineage of Jesus. And so the piece is saying Mm. like, ooh, a rose has sprouted from the stem of the tree of Jesse, like everything's kicking off. But do you know what's nice? Do you know what's lovely? Mm. Um, Both Catholics and Protestants were able to sing this hymn because... The Protestants were like, oh. okay, it's about it's about Jesus, like obviously it's for us. And mm-hmm. the Catholics were like, wait a sec, it's about Mary. Obviously, this is our territory. So, but then both of them were like, agree to disagree. And then the, everyone just sang it, which is nice. They, the, and the they Catholics all and sang in harmony, in literal harmony. Isn't that beautiful? And just were happy together. Stunning. That's really so, beautiful. That's nice, Christmas isn't it? Christmas songs bringing people together. Slightly less nice. What? And I'm sorry, okay. um, because I'm going to talk about the Nazis now. <laughs> I know oh. that they're not very oh, Christmassy. I'm glad you prefaced that. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Nazis are not Christmassy. But, but I just found this fascinating because it's something I didn't know. During the Nazi regime, apparently loads of Christmas carols got rewritten uh, to promote this like national socialist ideology and remove any references to the Jewish origins of Jesus, which is obviously terrible. So, es ist ein Rosensprungen turned into uns ist ein Licht erstanden in einer dunklen Winternacht. A light has arisen for us on a dark winter night and completely removed poor little Jesus and Mary and instead like talked about sunlight falling on the Vaterland and like extolling the virtues of like pure like motherhood and um oh. that is why the Nazis can't have nice things frankly yeah so, I mean that's what just one of the reasons just one, just one, <laughs> one of the many reasons why they just shouldn't touch anything <laughs> that's good um but I said, but I just thought that was super interesting and I had no idea. So, yeah, there you go. Wow. But, I didn't realise that either. No, but um, we can definitely forget about um, the Nazis now. Let's put that well, to one side. we've got the original words back. We've got the original so words fine. back. So, therefore, yeah. it's time to just light a candle, one that smells really good, <sighs> grab a cup of tea, sink into mm. the comfiest chair around that's available mm. in your general space. And uh, let's take a listen. What are your thoughts? 
I love it, Kelly. I love it so much. <laughs> did you? But you knew it, right, before? Or I did. I didn't realize it was a. I've, I've heard it before. I didn't realize it was a Christmas song. I think oh, actually, okay. showing my nerdy roots, okay. I played that in brass choirs and stuff like there as a warm-up. There is a gorgeous um, brass version of it as well that I will um, yeah. put up on the Spotify. It's a beautiful. Yeah, it doesn't right. even have to be sung because all the harmonies just work really well when it's um, transcribed as well. It's so so lovely. Oh, it's just really, I mean, I love all those like four-part chorale kind of pieces. And when you play anything, I mean, I'm showing my bias here too, but I think when you play a wind instrument of any description, that's like what they're supposed to do is anything that's in like four-part for voices. It's just something so satisfying in playing that kind of thing. So, yeah. (gasps) Well, do you know what? That leads me beautifully on to um, my next point about Esistein Rosenspuggen, which is over Mm. the years... Various composers have used the tune for their own games, as it were. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because actually, Brahms, big names here, Brahms came along mm-hmm. in 1896 and used the tune um, for the base of one of his 11 chorale preludes. And a chorale prelude is basically, oh. um, in case you don't know, it's a tune on the organ that uses a chorale or like a hymn as the basis. So I'll also put that on the Spotify playlist as well if you want to hear it. It's really pretty, really basic. Not basic. That's rude to Brahms. Basic. I'm <laughs> He's like, like really oh, basic. JB, you could do better. <laughs> Come basic. on. Pick up Sorry, your game. what I meant to say was like, not basic, but, you know, simple and, and lovely, I guess, mm. is what I would say about that. And then one of my um, kind of recent fave composer discoveries, Herbert Howells, wrote a sort of oh, yeah. alternate version called A Spotless Rose, which is so beautiful as well. So it's, oh. it's I think it's really lovely how there's this kind of ancient text and these like ancient melodies and like even hundreds of years later people are still like being inspired by it isn't that amazing mm. and, and and kind of creating something new from it so it's just it's a lovely little tune and yeah as I said very hummable so I hope that you hum mm. it um this Christmas and yeah Aww. please take a listen to the rest Hey, Sasha, guess what? What? That classical podcast now has official merchandise. Oh my gosh, Kelly, I'm so excited. Um, Can I say drink a hot beverage from said merchandise? You can drink a hot beverage of any description from this merchandise, Sasha, because it is an official That Classical Podcast mug with our logo on it. That is so exciting. I Anyone who knows me knows I love a mug, so I'm going to go buy one for every member of my family just in time for Christmas. Um, Where can I do that, Kelly? Well, you know what? The easiest thing is just go to www.thatclassicalpodcast.com and you'll find all the information you need there to take you to our Etsy shop. Perfect. I'm going to go do that now. You better. So, Kelly, yes. because I have returned to sunny climes, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. am picking an Australian Christmas carol. I'm so excited because, yeah, I've heard a lot about Australian Christmas carols <laughs> and I, I just wonder if the rumours are true. So, yeah, like I can't wait to hear about this. Please tell us everything. Yeah, so I've got to say, like I'll do a bit of like a personal recollection. I was, I kind of went, oh my God, like what am I going to choose because a lot of the Christmas cows we grow up with are European. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started doing a little bit of research and I listened to this particular one called Carol of the Birds. And 
I remember singing it in primary school and I had no idea it was Australian specific. But then like, of course I should have, because, you know, for the last three years of my life, I've worked somewhere where we played Christmas carols quite <laughs> on the radio and um, we never played this one. And also Hi. once I read the words, I was like, oh yeah, that's Australian. Okay. <laughs> so I felt a little bit dumb, um, but I'll tell you a little bit about it first. So this carol that I'm going to talk about is called Carol of the Birds and it's written by William Garnet James and it's part of a set of three. So he called them all Australian Christmas carols and in each there's four carols and there's three sets and he released them in 1948 and just the first set came out and then he kind of like drip fed them. It was a bit like Beyonce in a Nike release or something. Okay. Like he was like, here's a couple of carols, like get ready. Right. Um, and the words are by a guy called John Wheeler who worked at the ABC, which is like the Australian equivalent of the BBC. If you're Uh, listening in England. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And look, I reckon we should listen to it in a second, but I'm going to just read the words to you because I think they're really important, especially because you'll really, you might have a couple of follow up questions for me after you hear it. So the lyrics are Out on the plains, the brolgers are dancing, lifting their feet like war horses prancing. Up to the sun, the woodlarks go winging. Faint in the dawn, light echoes their singing. Arana, arana, arana to Christmas Day. Down where the tree ferns grow by the river, there where the waters sparkle and quiver, deep in the gullies, bellbirds are chiming, softly and sweetly, their lyric notes rhyming. Arana, arana, arana to Christmas Day. Friar birds sip the nectar of flowers, currawongs chant in the wattle tree bowers, in the blue ranges lorikeets calling, carols of bushbirds rising and falling. Arana, arana, arana to Christmas Day. There you go. They're the words. Sasha, <laughs> so- how in what world is that not about Australia? Like when you heard that as a young child, did you think it was like German? <laughs> look i wasn't a particularly perceptive 10 year old that's what i'm gonna say the bush birds of germany of course (laughs) yeah it's like i don't think brolgers exist outside of australia either um they're kind of like a bird that lives in really shallow water um so they have like a really long bill Okay. Um, and really long legs. They kind of look like flamingos, except they're usually white with a black bill and black legs. And Great. they're a lot smaller than a flamingo. Are any of flamingo. these birds anything to do with Christmas? Uh, no. Okay. No. Good. Just, sorry, just wanted, to get that uh, out. just wanted to get that out there. And I did Google all of them because I was like, oh, um, woodlarks I think is the only one that actually maybe – exists in other countries okay. but like bellbirds lorikeets currawongs <laughs> um brolgers all safely australian that is um, amazing. and i think <laughs> and i think also like what i really loved about i mean now as an adult i'm like oh yeah okay fairly australian <laughs> but also all of these birds if you google their um what their calls sound like that that's something that I think also when you travel and when you move around the world, you'll notice that birds sound really different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those really strange things that I think you can become homesick for without realizing. Aww. So, yeah. Um, yeah, which I just think is like 
it's a bit like, you know, anytime you move somewhere, you're like, oh, the weather's slightly different or I really miss those winds or I don't of know. Of course. I don't that's, come from anywhere else. Sweet, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, specifically when you've like grown up with kurwongs chanting or lorikeets, they're really – and they're also – everything in Australia is loud, noisy and in your face. And so I think it's like – Like this is coming from like a grasshopper just jumped into Sasha's mouth about five minutes ago, by the way. Yeah, we, we had, had to, to stop, stop the recording. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> definitely one for the outtakes. Um, it's a land of uh, many, many bugs and birds by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think um, also, you know, the other really major thing which we might talk about in a little bit is, you know, in Australia, it's hot at Christmas. So things are kind of jumping around and moving Mm. and like people aren't like sleeping in till 10 because it's really hot. Right. So you're waking up at seven and you're like, oh. How am I going to get through Don't ruin today? it for me because I think <laughs> after we listen, after we listen, I've got so many questions that I think the listeners will also love to know the answers to. Yeah, I will. Just before we listen to it, I will say that Arana oh, yeah, um, yeah. Is, means welcome and huh. um, it's attributed to a First Nations language. So the Indigenous culture of Australia, like there's thousands of different languages because they mm-hmm. um, all had it, – it's not like um, – Italian or which like developed out of like four different dialects that they agreed on. It's like in indigenous culture in Australia, they all have very strong associations with different regions. Mm -hmm. And so Arana is credited with being just one of those, but yeah, it means welcome. So at the end it's welcome, welcome, welcome to Christmas day. So the whole carol is about all these birds waking up and saying, Hello, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> so I just think that's also like a really nice little metaphor. But let's listen to it because I think you're going to really like it. So I think it's also worth noting that when um, he wrote The Carol, he designed it so that the like last line would be no matter if you didn't know the words or you like couldn't really follow along, you could just join in. Like a One Direction song. Yeah. It's just like, all right. All right. That's Yeah, it's like, you've got it now. Yes. But I just think it's, do you hear what I mean? Where it doesn't sound modern in some ways. It almost doesn't sound like a Christmas carol. Like it, it yeah. I guess it's like if it didn't have the word Christmas in it, I wouldn't have necessarily. <laughs> so, and if if the album wasn't called an Australian Christmas with some Australian-looking people <laughs> in Australia on the front, um, but I really liked it. It's actually really. It's just a lovely little carol. Like, and as you Isn't say, it? like you could definitely. I already know the tune having listened to it once it's so easy so So, easy to join in um and yeah if there's any australian 
um, I mean, I know there's other Australians out there, um, obviously. <laughs> in the world or listening? Country, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I was like trying to be vague and then I'm like, that's not working. Right. Um, so I know, like, I just think if you've spent a Christmas in Australia, it really resonates. Now, so, now I'm going to yeah. stop you there, Sash, okay. because mm. I've got, <laughs> got some questions. Because as okay. as our, if, if you've joined us before for that classical podcast Christmas special, you know that we like to smatter a few Christmas facts around the episode, a few mm. Christmas bits of trivia. And actually, behind Sasha's back, I did not warn her that I was going to do this. I just told her before we started recording. I actually researched... Australian Ooh. Christmas traditions because I feel like I don't oh. know about those and I feel like a lot of our listeners might not know and just tell okay. me if this is true or false I'm gonna just say statements <laughs> that I've okay. read and genuinely I've read these on the internet okay one okay Australians decorate their houses with bunches of Christmas bush <laughs> oh um what's christmas bush <laughs> uh, hang on i'm just gonna rely on I'd, i'm gonna say true okay because i think christmas bush and i'm just confirming it's actually a special it's a plant okay um that's specific to australia right and i've looked it up and <laughs> it has a really long Latin name that I cannot say. Ceratopitalum right. gomeriferum. Okay. Um, but it's like a green plant that over the course of the summer months, it gradually turns red. Like the leaves, oh, the little cute. leaves turn red. Okay. Yeah. Great. And so people will buy it. I don't, you don't like cut it and like stick it to your house <laughs> okay. but you might buy christmas bush and like plant it around or like buy some at christmas because yeah it does it ju- it gradually turns from green to red okay perfect great yeah okay that's done. i didn't realize that wasn't that australian that is an australian thing, thing. no one else does that okay um great. number two <laughs> you have a barbecue on christmas day and there are lots of prawns and everyone goes crazy buying prawns on christmas eve I would say yes, that is very true. Wow. Um, of course, okay. it depends on your family. So my my personal family, giving you some like Sasha truth yeah, here, please. but yeah, my family um, do a roast turkey ham and ham. Okay. But we are quite unusual. Um, we also do roast, we also cook our turkey on a barbecue. Oh so, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, love it's it. It's outside, yeah. So you wake up at, my dad normally wakes up at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. And then you put the coals on the barbecue because they take quite a while. It's yeah, a Weber. It's classic. So it takes yeah, quite yeah. a while to like heat up. Yeah. And then he'll put the turkey on around 8 a.m., 9 a.m. And then it will cook for three hours. Um, but a lot of people that I know, like their family's like, oh, having a roast is too hot. So that, yeah, they'll just have a barbecue and Prawns. seafood is a very – yeah, any type of seafood. So That's amazing. Okay. Prawns and fish and crab. Crab is a big thing. Christmas, Christmas crab. Prawns. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Get God. crab and vinegar and sugar and crack it and it's This it's is great. amazing. Okay. White bread. Mm. Okay. Well, that's honestly incredibly fascinating. <laughs> um, I will save my last two questions for later in the episode. So stay tuned, listeners, for more Australian great. Christmas trivia that will shock uh, and surprise you, I'm sure. But this is great. Great to know, Sasha. Thank you. Excellent. Glad to be of help. 
Did you know that Classical Podcast has a Patreon with loads of exciting bonus content? Yeah, we do, Kelly, because we love making the podcast, but it does cost money, like boring things like website hosting and equipment and just other little weird things that come up now and then. So the fact that you choose to support us means we can put aside the time to do a great job that we are proud of. A hundred percent. And you know what? If you become a patron of that classical podcast, you gain access to loads of cool things like outtakes, bonus content, bonus episodes, stupid pictures, fun extra playlists, and you get a special first look at every new piece of merch that we release. Absolutely. So just go to patreon.com, search that classical podcast, or have a look in the show notes. We've got the link of how to become a patron right there. Thanks. Next, we're venturing to France. So I'm afraid you'll have to deal with my dodgy French accent this time. It was German, now it's French. Je suis désolée. But this was a discovery I made um, this year, actually, putting a few playlists together. It's one of the oldest Christmas carols in existence. And it's called, yes, it's called Entre le Boeuf, or Entre le Boeuf et l'Anne Gris. And you may be thinking, Kelly... Why is this Christmas carol about beef? Uh, But boeuf is actually just the old school way of saying an ox in French. Um, So the title means between the ox and the grey donkey, or indeed the grey ass, (laughs) uh, if whatever your preference (laughs) is, and if you're not as immature as I am. Uh, So what's between the ox and the grey donkey? Well... Jesus in the manger, of course. Come on. Um, So the piece actually, and this is great, the piece actually dates back from the 13th or the 16th century, which is actually the the most hilariously inexact date range I think I've ever been given. That is three centuries apart. Yeah, that's like us to Mozart. (laughs) I know. That's not specific at all. So like, as you might expect, we have absolutely no clue who wrote it because those details were written on a pomme de terre because it was in France. Um, But what we do know is that we can probably thank the book of Isaiah yet again for the text of this piece, just like last time. Good on you, Isaiah. Good on you, Isaiah. Exactly, because... Yeah, like in that book of the Bible, the prophet Isaiah just like super quickly glossed over something about like oxen and donkeys. And I read this first because I wanted to understand why this like piece came about. And I just didn't understand what happened. I even went and asked my dad who like knows the Bible inside out. He listens to it on Audible, like he knows the Bible. And like he didn't really understand like why (laughs) this carol had been made like from this thing because... Okay, here's here's what the Bible verse said. The oxen and the donkeys in the Bible verse are not the main point of it. The Bible verse says, like, oxen know their owners, donkeys know who feeds them, but Israel won't recognise Jesus as the Messiah, and that's, like, super bad. Bad times. Don't do that. Um, okay. So then some French person came along and was clearly like, right, so there was an ox and a donkey at the birth of Christ. <laughs> that's just, the most important takeaway. Like, that's You've completely missed the point. Um, but anyway, so, but I guess, the, I guess in the Bible, Jesus was born in a stable. So I wish they had just used that as the reason for the carol, that there might have been yeah. an ox and a donkey. They're not like taking the completely wrong thing from this Bible verse. But anyway, <laughs> so quick summary of the lyrics. It is essentially just 
oh, little baby Jesus is sleeping between this ox and donkey duo. Loads of angels and seraphims everywhere. That's cool. Jesus is sleeping in the arms of Mary. There are angels. There are seraphims. Good times with them. There are some roses. There are some lilies. There are some shepherds um, in other verses. But the main takeaway is that there are literally thousands upon thousands of seraphims and angels swarming poor Jesus over there. Like we're talking like Oxford Circus at Christmas, just crowds of angels apparently um, there. And also Jesus just being the perfect little newborn baby at this time and sleeping peacefully. Just like an uh, uh, like the Messiah really should. I always, like when I used to go to Sunday school as a kid, am I allowed to say this? That used to always annoy me. I was like, well, no one gave me a chance to be a good baby because I was a baby. So like, why are we being compared to the perfect baby? baby? <laughs> I know, <laughs> he I was, was like, literally the son of God. Like, of course I'm he like, doesn't cry. Yeah, I know. I would have been well behaved too. Yeah, if I'd known if, that there yeah. was a perfect baby if out there. If you had been but like, Christ. <laughs> If I had been self-aware as a baby, but I wasn't because I was a baby. It just really annoyed yeah, me. It's, um, but that's because I'm super competitive. And with Jesus? I wanted to be as good as Jesus. <laughs> that's good to know. Keep striving. Keep striving for that, Sasha. Shall we, uh, shall we take a listen? <laughs> sure. Let's do it. What are your thoughts, Sasha? What are your Christmassy thoughts on that? I like it. Okay. Um, it's a little bit sinister. It's because yeah. I think because it's mo- it's written in a mode. Right. Uh, or it's a bit modal. And mm. by that, I mean it just isn't a major scale. It clearly uses a different like combination of notes. It centers right. around a different organization of notes than like a major or minor scale. So it right. sounds just a little bit off kilter. Like yes. a little left to center. That's and you're like, what's great. Going on? Yeah, <laughs> left of center. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, nothing quite like a sinister Christmas carol. Yeah, and I mean, I know you've just gone to a long description of telling me about uh, how it's an ox and an, yeah, an oxen an and a donkey yeah. and yeah, etc. But it just has that kind of like really classic Christmas warning sound to it, which is like, you better be good. Christmas you warning. Know, <laughs> Yeah, like you better not shout, you better not cry, yeah. you better not pout. I'm telling you why. Like it has that kind of what, you know, something you better be well behaved this Christmas. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, me. I think it's funny because, yeah, it's like it is a bit of a sinister, like mysterious sound. But actually, it's just such a, like a lovely little song about a sleeping baby. So it is a bit yeah. of a um, a bit of a surprise. But I think you can also tell that like it, it does definitely sound kind of ancient, which is also something that makes mm. it sound like just really cozy f- for me. Just like you didn't want to light a candle and listen to it, that kind of vibe. And you can imagine mm. kind of people singing it in a cathedral like 500 years ago yeah. or whenever it was written, potentially. <laughs> I have no idea, but that's kind of all I have on Entre le Boeuf. But please let us know um, your favourite ancient Christmas carol that you kind of know <gasps> yes. nothing about. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> that Please would be great. Do. I would love to. Because we're clearly not experts. Because <laughs> I really tried my best to research everything, but there's sometimes there's just nothing, no information, lads. So, um, uh. but yeah, enjoy that. It's honestly one of my, I think one of my new favorites. Um, mm. And yeah, enjoy. That classical podcast. All right. So, Kelly, I've been really original and I've picked okay. another carol from the same set of Christmas carols. Brilliant. Love, loving your style. <laughs> yeah. So these, as I said, they're by William G. James. Mm-hmm. And this is from his first set. So this is the fourth carol and it's called The Three Drovers. Okay. Um. So I was reading that he did kind of take inspiration from European Christmas carols and mm-hmm. like try to make them a bit. Australian. So (laughs) this one I think is quite obviously based on The Three Wise Men um, with the title (laughs) The Three Drovers. Right. Um, Because do you know what a drover is? Am I I making sense? I don't, and I need you to tell me. Yeah. Okay. So a drover is like a stockman, it's like someone who professionally rides horses and um, like moves cattle or sheep around the outback. Okay. Um, right. So a cowboy. Yeah. Like. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. They live out west. I would. I wouldn't use a cowboy because I just don't feel like they are cowboys. Okay. But I guess so. That's I'm completely wrong. The equivalent. <laughs> no, the Australian <laughs> okay. equivalent. I guess. Okay. Great. Um, and traditionally, like in the Man from Snowy River and like um, Banjo Patterson kind of poems, a stockman or a drover would always be like on horse and, oh, you know, like um, Waltzing Matilda, Once a Jolly Swagman, oh, Camp yeah. by a Billabong, like that's clearly a stockman. Okay. Um, either down on his luck or like because he doesn't mention a horse in the song. But, okay, um, right. So, yeah, they have quite a strong connotation with being on horses. Now you can be a drover. Um, and you're often on quad bikes or cars or some of them even do it by helicopter now. So it's like oh. definitely modded up. Traditional. But that's, yeah, like ye olde Australian poems will often refer to them being on horses. Does this carol so, feature helicopters? <laughs> oh, it does not. It it's does a real not. shame. I'm but sad. the other thing, okay, so I'm just going to read you the um, first verse and I want to see if you pick something up. Across the plains one Christmas night, Three drovers, riding blithe and gay, looked up and saw a starry light more radiant than the Milky Way. And on their hearts such wonder fell, they sang with joy, Noel, 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 Noel. (laughs) So aside from the fact that they're singing a French word (laughs) in the middle of the outback, um, Uh, is there anything else about that that makes you go, huh, interesting? Maybe they're just calling their friend Noel. From over the yeah. way. No, no, hey, no. Yeah, this is actually a Christmas carol about how they lost their friend Noel and they couldn't oh, find God. him. Um, yeah, sorry, that is um, awful. I'm so no, sorry for even suggesting what's that. actually unusual is that you can, the Milky Way is in the Northern Hemisphere from March to September. And from oh. September to March, it's in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh. So, like when it says more radiant than the Milky Way, that's because you can like that the Milky Way would be visible at our Christmas time and it's not visible to the northern hemisphere at Christmas time. It's only visible to us. So it's <gasps> Australian. 
thing. So it's like <laughs> celestial <proving> navigation. <laughs> that it's wow, I did not expect that today on the podcast. <laughs> I'll get my telescope out of it. Um, that's mm, I did have to look that up because I was like, oh, can you not see? Because there's we have a constellation down here called the Southern Cross, which you can only see hmm. from the Southern Hemisphere. Because, um, you know, newsflash for some people stars are different depending on where you are in the world Um, that is an important newsflash breaking news stars are different depending on where you are in the world guys i did discover that get a potato write it down like you can't see um oh like the northern star you can't see from here there's a couple you can't see in the northern hemisphere from australia I don't think so. Interesting. No, there's a couple. I don't think you can see the Big Dipper either. You know, look, obviously oh. I am not an astronomer. Wow, this is, yeah, <laughs> getting into it. Love it. But, um, yeah, there is quite a few things that, yeah, I could. I saw for the first time when I lived in England that I hadn't seen. And there's other things, like the Southern Cross is a very Australian thing. Um, it's on our flag, but also oh. I'm getting in a lot of trouble for saying this, but... It's a very tacky tattoo that a lot of people <laughs> opt to have. Okay, great. Okay. Maybe we don't need to... If you have one, I'm sure you're very proud of it. I'm sure it has some... Um, I'm sure you're not a tacky special. person. I'm sure I'm you are a classy sure person with a classy tattoo. Classy. Yeah. I find them tacky, but it's personal preference. Do you want to listen to it? I think that's enough I do. chat. I do. The- <laughs> I do. I can't wait. Across the plains of confirm it is noel and not noel uh which is disappointing yeah. in a way but also good um no i actually really love that i think it's it's actually christmasy af like that is the proper so christmas sound that maybe the other one in my head didn't quite have but like it's so festive it really is and i think i'm definitely gonna put that on repeat this christmas season I and I'm i love as well yeah. yeah how it just has noel you know how many christmas carols end with the same word just endlessly repeated and it's so fun to just kind of take the piss a little bit while you're singing it because you're just getting so into it yeah I and you've got the great. christmas champagne in the background as well just uh, having and your christmas prawns but on the barbie is, like i mean right time never appreciate yeah, christmas prawns oh yeah gosh that reminds me wait no more christmas oh. trivia so okay, wait great. okay just question okay a couple more questions mm-hmm. for you and then i'm i'm done mm-hmm. um is it true that if you if you go to someone's like house for Christmas lunch or whatever, and you don't, mm-hmm. and this requires some explanation because I don't know, if you go to their house and you don't bring a box of favourites with you, you are like looked down upon by that <laughs> household. What is a box of favourites? Tell me I everything. Think, um, I don't know where you've been googling, Kelly. Yeah, but obviously, <laughs> like um, Cadbury. I think oh. it's Cadbury who make 
favorites have done some really good advertising because there's an ad campaign oh wow so favorites are like a box of mixed chocolates they're like mini chocolates right okay and there's an ad campaign in australia that's very famous that's like don't know what to bring just a box of favorites will do (laughs) and so it is like a thing that if you're like oh i really don't know like you know it obviously has you you go to someone's house and you're like bunch of flowers, bunch of chocolates, bottle of wine. Yeah, like, got it. You'll often just do one of those things. And Cadbury had a really strong campaign that's like, oh, I don't know what to bring. The thing you bring when you don't know what to bring. That that's what it is. So <laughs> it's a last resort. Um, Great. You are not looked down upon, but yeah. I think most people would be very happy to receive a box of favorites. Okay. But fantastic. That is an ad campaign that has managed to get into the smalls of the internet somehow okay wow that is my impression of that if there's australians out there who feel differently then by all means come argue but i have never done that i would love to hear from the australians listening can you please tell us if sasha is completely wrong and she's a crap australian that's not right um but i mean this is my first christmas back in three years so so you're out of touch it could have it could have changed yeah yeah. Okay. Last one. Last statement. Because this one actually just made me laugh, and I I doubt it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. truth already. Because it was okay. so matter of fact. Like there was no exception to this rule. <laughs> um, but I had to know. It just says this. This is a quote. After opening presents on Christmas morning, the family sits down to a breakfast of ham and eggs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Every Australian family in Australia sits down to a breakfast of ham and eggs. Is that true? Um, I'm going to say that my family doesn't do that. Okay, so, so it's all a lie. It's not true. It's yeah. a lie. Um, but do they mean that – I know that my family do presents in the morning and then we do croissants and champagne – and that's then so we, much better. That's so bougie. And then that we do. So yeah, we are bougie. Yeah. And then we do um, like get ready for the rest of the family to come for lunch. So right. ham and eggs means nothing to you, but maybe you're out no. of touch yet again. I um, would do ham. Yeah, maybe I am. I'd do ham and eggs on Boxing Day because you'd okay. have the ham from Christmas Day. Yeah, that makes but more sense. I feel it? that like that is quite. A that's a sweeping statement. That's to a just sweeping be like generalization. The About family. a nation of like 25 million people <laughs> who like are everyone. very multicultural and diverse. I love it. I just read that. I, was like, I have to ask Sasha this because that is, just can't be right. Um, I've really enjoyed great. this, though, Kelly. Yes. I've learned a lot. Because do you know what my About last. my own presumptions. The last question I had, you've already mm. answered. And it was, do Australians have Australian versions of Christmas carols? And they do. They bloody we do. do. We do. And actually, there's also an Australian version of um, Jingle Bells that oh, is wow. also very good. So I will put a link to the words of that in one of our show notes or something. I yeah. can't wait. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. um, your culture with us today, Sasha. No worries, mate. That classical podcast. So that was our 2020 Christmas episode, lads and lassies. We hope you enjoyed our (laughs) strange collection Mm. of uh, Christmas carols and hymns this year. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you're listening to this Christmas and any strange Christmas carols that you love as well. And yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, Sasha, where can they find us? Oh, always. We're on all the social media platforms. So look us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and just with everything else, type that classical podcast into your favorite social media and we will pop up 
and our smiling faces will be there for you. Well, hopefully. And also, uh, thatclassicalpodcast.com, you can find lots of info there. And if you really enjoyed this episode, um, please feel free to give us a little Christmas gift of uh, a review on your podcast platform of choice as well. We Absolutely. really appreciate those. They, they do so much for us. So um, thank you to everyone who's taken the time to do that. But otherwise, oh my goodness, Merry Christmas, one and all. And have a bloody lovely holiday, a bloody lovely New Year, and we will see you in 2021. Bye. Bye.